Amen. Good singing this morning. Matthew chapter 6. If you have found your, if you have your place in the Bible, if you have a Bible this morning, I guess I should say. Matthew chapter 6, the calm of a singular focus. We're going to look at verse 25 through verse 34 of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon... And all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Some time ago I heard a story that touched me, writes one gentleman. I have a pastor friend up in Virginia, and his name is Van, Vander Warner. He had just recently resigned from the wonderful Grove Avenue Baptist Church there in Richmond, Virginia. Vander told a story something like this. He had in his congregation a beautiful young woman. She was working hard. She was saving her money. She fell in love with a young man. They were going to get married. They were just getting ready for the wedding. The young girl in her automobile was driving along, and one of those tragic accidents happened. She had a collision, and she was killed. When the police came to the scene of the accident, they were trying to find out who this girl was, trying to find out how they were going to notify the next of kin. And so they had, opened, they had to open her purse. They began to go through her personal things to find some address, to find some identification. You know what they found? They found her bank statements and when her checks had been written, and from there they got her name. And somehow they got her fiancé. And he ended up there at the scene of the accident. And the policeman said, I had to look at this bank statement. And he said, whether it was right or wrong, he said, I couldn't help it. He said, but my eyes just went down to her deposits and withdrawals and so forth and the checks that she'd written. And, he says, I kept seeing a check written to a certain church, a check on a regular basis, a good-sized check written to this church, to this church, to this church, he said. What kind of a girl was this? The young man told what kind of a girl she was. A girl who loved the Lord Jesus in such a way that you could tell by looking at her bank account. And that led the policeman to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder, would somebody come to know Jesus Christ by looking at your bank statement? As we look at our main text today, how do you practically apply the idea of these verses 25 through 34? We cannot be stingy with God and expect to not worry about life. Money is something so important to all of us, and if we are given to materialism or covetousness, then we will not give to God what belongs to Him. A trust of God is seen by what you give to God. Tithing is one of the principles of the scripture, simply trusting that God will provide 
as I give to him through the local church. Tithing is a demonstration of a trust in the Lord and a demonstration of my faith in God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, as I read last week, be careful for nothing. That word careful is don't be unduly concerned, don't be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So many people do not give regularly to the church, do not get involved in missions, do not give their time to serving the Lord through the church because they are seeking the kingdom of earth over the kingdom of heaven. Our minds are so consumed with this life and the accumulation of goods that the kingdom of earth matters more than the kingdom of heaven and simply living by faith. Now a tithe, as the scriptures talks about, is giving one dollar out of every ten to the Lord. If God gives you an increase, you give ten percent to the Lord. That's what a tithe is. Tithe is meaning ten percent. Many times we worry about how we're going to survive when we don't worry about how I am living by faith and trusting the Lord. And as I mentioned last week in Luke chapter 12, I want you to see this with me again one more time. Luke chapter 12, verse 29. This passage of Scripture in Matthew is dealing with an absolute faith dependence upon God. You and I, or maybe I, there are times in my life where I worry. I'm anxious. And I would say, for most people, that is the case. But God has called us the calm of a singular focus. Matthew, excuse me, Luke 12, 29 and seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. It is our world that is consumed with money. Money also leads to power and comforts. This is what the nations. So as a Christian, if I worry on these very things, then I, my heart is not on the heart of God. Because I'm seeking the same thing that the nations who don't know Christ seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. This ought not to be the mindset of a Christian. Some may say giving was only for the Jews. But the scriptures are replete, or there's all throughout the scriptures the idea of giving of our first fruits to the Lord. There was tithing before the Mosaic Covenant, before uh, Moses was given the covenant with Israel. There was tithing, Melchizedek, in Genesis. There was Jacob that would tithe. It is a matter of trusting the Lord to provide even when it doesn't make sense to do so. The true way to show that we take no thought for our life and are not anxious to look at how we use our finances for God's glory. Because he talks about eat and drink and clothing. Those all require finances. What we must do is have a singular eye on Jesus Christ by serving, giving, and trusting and know from experience his comfort, his provision, and his security. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I yield today to thee. And Father, this is a sensitive topic. 
And Lord, one that hits all of us. Lord Jesus, I yield this morning to you. But I need your help to preach truthfully, precisely, and accurately of your word. Lord, this is you speaking. And Father, I pray that, we'd, that each of us as Christians would understand to take no thought, to not be anxious. Lord, we would understand that I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. That I need to keep my focus where it ought to be. Lord, I love you. And should there be someone this morning that doesn't know you, God, I pray, please convict the hearts and bring him to a saving knowledge of yourself. Or tonight we'll talk about hell, and Lord, it's an awful thing. Father, for those of us Christians, so many Christians, Lord, live such defeated lives, look miserable. But Father, we don't need to be that way. Because God, we can keep our eyes right. We can have a joy of a singular focus upon Thee. So Lord, You take over. And may each and every one of us, Lord, may we do what You call us to do. I love You, Jesus. In Your precious name I pray. Amen. And the anxiety of life we find here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 28, take no thought for your life. The fact is that this is so often our condition. Do you realize that giving is a demonstration of your trust in Christ? You, there is not a giving to God of my time. There's not a giving to God of my finances. There's not a giving to others because you don't trust Christ. You don't love Him. It says the very thing, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek or the nations seek after but it says in verse 32, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Do you trust that statement? Do you trust that God knows all the things you need? Is that true? Well, of course it is. The Bible is true. But the fact is, do you believe it? then if so, you will gladly seek the kingdom of God over the kingdom of this earth. You will stop making your own personal pursuits more important than God's pursuits. You will place God's word, holiness, or righteousness as a priority over personal pursuits. You will, we will stop worrying, we will stop fretting, and we will trust. Do you realize over and over again in the Bible, it tells us, Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. But it also, it doesn't say just all thine heart, it goes on to say, and lean not unto thine own understanding. So you give all of your heart, all of the emotions, and I don't trust my own intellect, my own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. 
Well, there's a financial thing that comes in my life. There's something bad that comes in. I need to solve this. I need to worry. I need to fret. I need to be anxious. I need to be angry. I need to worry. I need to choose someone out. All sorts of things that we do. You're leaning to your own understanding. A take no thought here is a a test of your trust in Jesus Christ. Does what the Bible say mean what it says? In Proverbs twenty two nineteen, that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Thy trust in the Lord. Proverbs 37, Psalm 37. Look with me at several passages of Scripture here on trust. This is so important. The whole principle of take no thought, it gets back to the foundational truth. Do you trust God? Many don't. They say they do, but a mere presence in church doesn't mean a trust. It's obedience, and it's good. But trust is, when I put pavement, when I put my my pedal to the metal, I mean, you just, rubber meets the road. There we go. I'm trying to think of the cliche. But the fact is, do you apply what it says? In Psalm 37, verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Trust leads to feeding. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. What is he saying? Stop fretting over the direction of our government. Stop fretting over rich men who come down on us. Look with him, Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. That sounds nice. It sounds really pretty. It warms my heart. But if that's all it does, then your faith is infantile. You're nothing more than an infant Christian. Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust is for our mental and spiritual peace. Jeremiah 17, 7, verse, and verse 8. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Over and over and over again, God says, trust me. We like to say, I trust God. And then an unexpected bill, an unexpected happenstance occurs in our life. 
And we look no different than the, the lost world. What it's showing us is that I am a Christian whose trust in God is very little. Do you realize this, that your ability to give is a measure of your trust and worship? In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him sword as God hath prospered him. The first of the first fruits of thy land. Exodus 23, 19. It is God which provides for us. You know, in Matthew twenty two twenty one, when they brought unto him, they bring unto him a penny, and they say unto him, you know, and they look on the coin, whose is this? And they say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto him, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Tithe is an aspect of your praise and worship of God. Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20, and Melchizedek, and Abraham gives him Melchizedek, gave him tithes of all, and there's an aspect of his worship. Tithing is 10%, Hebrews 7, 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. If I get a $100 check, I give $10 to the Lord. A neglect of the tithe is a robbing of God. Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Now, tithing was in the times of Israel, but it was before Israel became a nation with Abraham. It's after. There is the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm just picking up a little bit where I left off last week. He said, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. Paul says, listen, there's other churches that are giving to my ministry to help me to serve the church of Corinth. They're giving to missions, we as we do in here in this church. The Philippian churches, now ye Philippians know also, Philippians 4, 15 and 16, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So he's admonishing the, the Philippian church, the church of Philippi. He says, listen, I'm able to do the ministry that I do because you continue to support me. And, and, and a church, a church just doesn't run because of the generosity of a lost world. It's not just some building in town. The congregation where believers meet together is God's house. And it's ran by faith in Christ. And, and our giving ought to be an aspect of our worship to God. The church is not just some welfare, welfare center to hand out to those whose lives are ravaged by sin and living in rebellion to God. It is a place of worship, trust, and obedience to the Almighty God. Now the preachers are to live of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 9, 14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. There's a faith to live. Third John, verses 5-8, through 8, again, helping those in the ministry. And it's not, obviously not something for, you know, rich gain and, and charlatans who are all about the money. Giving is a matter of the, of the heart, a singularity of my focus upon Jesus Christ. So the one aspect of take no thought, as we find in our passage of Scripture here, as you find what you eat or drink or what you clo- the clothes you put on, that all requires finances, 
So the giving to the, the, through, the, through the local church, we give to God. Now, there's no one that inspects what you give or don't give. God does. So it's between you and the Lord. No one's going to tell you you have to. We're just, if you want to be obedient to the Bible, that's what the Bible says. Another thing about this idea of take no thought is that you give your life to the service of others. That it's not your time, it's God's time. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 23. Actually, verse 25, I'll just, for the sake of time, but you can read verses 23 through 27 for context. Verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body. He's talking about a local church, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So there is a giving up of yourself for others within the church. Romans 16, 1 and 2. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sancria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of, for she hath been a sucker. That word a sucker means assistant and support in times of hardship and distress of others. A sucker of many and of myself also. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, help Phoebe. She's moving to your area. Help her out. Help the members of the church. Now, here's some hindrances, the hindrances of sense. Carl Menninger, I don't know much about him other than what he, this quote, but he says, generous people are rarely mentally ill. Ver, Vernon McGee, J. Vernon McGee says, don't tell me you're trusting God until you trust him with your pocketbook. Larry Burkett teaches a lot on finances. The average Christian pays more in interest than he gives to the Lord's work. In a church of 100 families, 37 will give nothing. Money is so intimately related to the possessor that we cannot give money without giving ourselves. Because the money we earn is based many times on the time we've given to particular endeavors. Here's some reasons to not tithe, not give to missions, or be faithful to Christ. Look with me in Matthew 13, 22. Verse 22 of Matthew 13 is talking about the farmer and he's laying out the seed. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becometh unfruitful. Why would you not want to do, give to God? Why would you take thought for today? Well, because you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches... You do, not, you do not help out at church, evangelism days, or other such functions because the riches and cares of this world consume you. Your focus is misguided. In John 6, 26 and 27, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed." Our focus is misguided. As you find the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, so many people, they leave church, they leave endeavoring to serve God, they leave their time with God because I'm too busy. 
I don't have time in the morning to spend with God. Well, if you sleep, shorten your sleep and spend time with God. Well, I need so many hours. Is God not able to give us energy? Your financial burden is not given to God. Your debts are not God's. You need to solve the problem. So you lean to your own understanding. Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Another thing is we find in this passage the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world. Your financial worries choke the word of God from being effective in your life. Your worrying does not add one thing to your life. Luke 12, 25, and which of you by taking, with, with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? Your worrying will never change the circumstances. So the reason not to give, not to give of yourself, not to be faithful to Christ, not to get involved, is the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, consume you. God's not important. And many times we worry about our finances maybe because of sickness, which is not your fault. We understand that. Maybe you can't work because you get sick and and there's things that happen, right? Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, sometimes sickness happens. Sometimes it's a life-altering sickness. That's not your fault. But even in those moments, I still don't need to worry. Maybe you've lost a job. But maybe you worry about finances because why you work is you work to be rich. Proverbs 23, 4, labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. The very reason why you work is not for God's glory. It is to fill up that bank account. Here's another reason you might worry about finances. It's not, which is not your fault, but maybe a spouse passes away. That's not your fault. Now, another reason someone might worry about finances is they don't work. And with that, if you are able to work, in Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. If someone is young and capable of working, and they don't work, they're sinning against God. Another reason you might have a worry and taking thought for what you eat and drink and the clothes you put on is covetousness. You have something which you can't afford or shouldn't have, and it puts you into a debt load that's far beyond you, so now you have to work more, and there's a continual worry. That's covetousness. Joshua 7.21, when you think about Achan, but when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. Behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and and the silver under it. You know what Achan's coveting did it destroyed his entire family god promises to meet all your needs not all your greeds maybe you're increasing your debt load proverbs twenty two twenty seven. if thou hast nothing to pay why should he take away thy bed from under thee a failure to guide your affairs with discretion psalm 112 5 a good man showeth favor and lendeth he will guide his affairs with discretion it gets all back to trust the lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding 
Stop trying to figure it out. Ask God what you ought to do. You know, we are a covetous person focused on material goods more than God. And the Bible says, look with me at Hebrews 13. Let your conversation, what he's saying, your lifestyle, be without covetousness. And be content with those things as he has. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Here's the fact. Your conversation, your lifestyle should be without covetousness. I really need that item, whatever that is. Whoo! <laughs> you know? Here's some other things that can worry you in your heart. Worry about your children, your house, your own life. Job would say, naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can worry about the government's fallout, national upheaval, currency deflation, political leaders, death threats. But the Bible gives me some correction. Verses 26 through 34. Notice with me in verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? God provides for the animals. Verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into a stature? It doesn't work to, to fret. Notice the beauty and the hardiness of the plants to continually bloom. Verses 28 and 29. Think about our value as humans compared to the grass, which is short-lived. Verses 30 and 31. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? God created us in his image he sent Jesus in human form to die for you and I. That's pretty important. And I worry and worry and worry. Matthew 8, 26, God controls the weather. He rebuked the winds and the sea. And great call. He controls our provision. Look with me in Matthew 16, 7 through 9. Here's Jesus being tempted again by the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he calls them hypocrites, wicked, adulterous generation, looking for the signs of Jonas. And then verse 7, and they reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. When Jesus, which when Jesus perceived, he said to them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have bought, brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, how many baskets ye took up. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. But I mean, they're, they're, they're not concerned about bad doctrine, which there is bad doctrine. But they're concerned, oh, how, we didn't bring any bread. 
We don't have any food. Jesus is like, seriously? We fed 5,000. We fed 4,000. I multiplied it. God controls our provision. Proverbs 2, 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. When that circumstance of your life happens, you need God's wisdom. And our natural, normal response is worry and fretting, letting others know about it, maybe anger, maybe frustration, whatever the case. That is our normal reaction. But I need God's wisdom. Psalm 27, 13, and 14. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen the heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Realize this. Fear and bondage. Fear places you into bondage. Romans 8, 14 and 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I get to cry, Daddy. And so many of us are crippled by the spirit of fear rather than the spirit of peace. You see, what God has called you and I to do is faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's my godly testimony. In Hebrews eleven two, for by it the elders obtained a good report. My doctrinal beliefs, and the fact is, in this whole idea of faith, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Why can I trust Jesus with all of my life? In regards to salvation, why can I trust Jesus to secure my eternity, but I can't trust him to secure the next paycheck? I can't trust him for the the things of life. I can't trust him with giving of my time to others. In Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In conclusion, if you trust in man to be your provider and sustainer, then you are not trusting God. Look with me at Psalm 146.3. Psalm 146, verse 3. And the Bible says, Take no thought... It is a test. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount is a test of discipleship. How far are you willing to follow Jesus? How close do you want to be to him? And Jesus is giving us the keys to being close to Jesus. In Psalm 146, verse 3, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. I want to tell you this. Do not trust the government. Don't trust your employer. Now, we have some level, but my ultimate trust is not in them. I'm going to work where God wants me to work. I'm going to live where God wants me to live. And I'll do what God wants me to do. You see, God will provide for his children. Charles Spurgeon told the story of his grandfather, James, and his faith in God. He had a large family, very small income. But he loved his Lord, and he would not have given up his preaching of the gospel for anything. One day the cow on which the family relied for milk for the children suddenly died. James Spurgeon's wife was greatly concerned, but he said, 
God said he would provide, and I believe he could send us 50 cows if he pleased. On that same day, a group met in London, a group James Spurgeon did not know. They wanted to help meet the needs of poor pastors. They raised a large sum of money and began sending it to different pastors in need to help their families. When they reached the end of the list, they were still five pounds left. there were still five pounds left. One man suggested sending it to James Spurgeon. Another said, no, let's not just send five pounds. Let's, let me add five more to go with it. Others joined in on that day. After his cow died, James Spurgeon received 20 pounds in the mail. You can trust God to keep his promises and provide for your needs. Look with me at Philippians 4.19. But my God, you must understand, he must be yours, shall supply all your need, anything you need, not want, needs, all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Now it's up to you to trust it. It's up to you to live it. An application to believers, the reasons Christians do not tithe, do not give, do not get involved in missions is that they love the world. Their eyes are not singularly focused on Christ. John 17, 16, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. They're given to this world. People are so often given to the world more than to Christ. In Luke 21, 34, and take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. The word surfeiting means gluttony, active feeding, eating too much, and drunkenness and cares of this life. Remember, take no thought. So that day come upon you unawares. We have a draw to the temporary more than to the eternal. We must have a singular eye on Christ by serving, giving, and trusting, and know from experience His comfort, His provision, and His security. When life is comfortable, everything is going well, and you can say, oh God, it's so easy. To look at what I have done. That I stop trusting that God will give me all that I need. God will give me the friendships. God will give me the church. God will give me the people. God will provide my needs. Take no thought for your life. Will you trust him? And maybe you're here this day, and there is a lot to be afraid of. Maybe you're afraid of what happens after I'm gone from this life. Where will I go? The Bible tells us, as it appointed to men once to die, but after this, the judgment, you will face judgment. You will face a lake of fire without Jesus Christ. You must put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to settle your eternity, it involves putting and trusting Jesus Christ died on a cross, rose again for your sins and mine. If you ask him to forgive you, my friend, you're forgiven. Then you enter unto, and you can now say, Daddy. And you can bring your trust. You can bring your needs. You can bring your fears. You can bring your worries. You can bring the struggles of your life underneath the throne of the Almighty God. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may receive help in time of need. My friend, get to that throne and take no thought.
we've got to stop thinking. We've got to stop worrying. I need to say, what does the Bible say? I don't want to look like a Gentile. I don't want to look like the nations of this world. I want to look like a blood-bought, born-again, Bible-believing Christian. And when I just simply take this at face value, man, there's such liberty. If I just will trust. As we come to the time of invitation, if I can have Mrs. Pat come forward. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verse 21 of Matthew 6. My friend, is your eye single on Christ? Or are you focused on a bank account? Are you focused on a job, the government, family, anything else? I've got to say, what does, what does God think? And if he says it, I believe it. You might say, Pastor, you're pretty simple. Well, <laughs> that's how God made us. Simply trust his word. I live my life by this book. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I trust will take no thought. So as the music plays this morning, I trust that you would just ask the Father, ask the Lord, with heads bowed and eyes closed, am I trusting you? Am I going to trust you, Lord, with my time, my finances, my family, my job? God, will I trust you? If God can take care of the birds and the grass and the lilies, so much more can he take care of you, my friend. You are of more value. You need to stop your worry. Stop looking like a person of the world and start looking like one whom Christ has redeemed. will come to a close here shortly. However the Spirit of God spoke to you, I'd pray that you would just respond into obedience. Oh, my friend, we can trust Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for the challenge from Your Word. Lord, would we see our lives as you see it. And Father, I pray that you'd convict us of the areas of our lives where we take thought for today, where we worry and fret. And Lord, we've removed, removed you from being the Lord of our lives. Lord, we fear the world more than we fear you. God, go before us and guide us. And Lord, you take control Father, I love you, and I pray that you'd help us to love you more. May we live our lives obedient and realize that you'll never leave us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Calvary. In Jesus' precious name I pray.
Amen. God bless you.